Hasta la vista, baby. The robots are coming for your strike zone. It's Monday, April 10th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. First, let's hit some news. Iowa's women's basketball team lost in the March Madness final, but the fan base is excited as it has ever been. The school paused season ticket sales for the 2023-24 season due to unprecedented demand. On Thursday, the U.S. Department of Education proposed rules that would prohibit schools from banning transgender athletes from participating in school sports based on their gender identity. They would allow schools to consider grade, sport, and level of competition. In related news, the U.S. Supreme Court denied an emergency request by the Attorney General of West Virginia to overturn a lower court's decision and allow the state to ban a 12-year-old transgender student from competing in a track and field competition. The student will be allowed to race in a group fitting with her gender identity. Congratulations to the legal authorities in West Virginia on apparently having nothing better to do with their time. And the Chicago Cubs are the first team to have a CBD sponsor. Mind Drinks, and they will sell Mind's CBD beverages at Rayleigh Field. To promote the deal, the Cubs released a guided meditation narrated by their radio play-by-play guy, Pat Hughes. Good afternoon, Cubs fans. Pat Hughes joining you today from the Wrigley Field Press Box, located directly behind home plate in the upper deck. Ah, I can see the Wrigley Field Ivy blowing in the breeze right now. MLB became the first major league in the U.S. to have a CBD sponsor when they linked up with Colorado-based Charlotte's Web in October. Up next, I had a really fun conversation with Sports Illustrated staff writer Emma Bacheleri. She has a talent for finding interesting human element questions within sports, and she recently wrote an article about the possibility that MLB will someday, maybe soon, have an automated strike zone. In other words, robot umps. She talked to catchers and others within the game about what that will mean. We'll have that conversation right after this. Here's what's trending now. You can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. Everything they need to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity. Whether your business generates millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, take advantage of this special financing offer of no payments or interest for six months at netsuite.com frontoffice. That's netsuite.com slash front office. Okay, I am joined now by Sports Illustrated staff writer Emma Bacheleri. Welcome, Emma. Thank you for having me. So you, you've written about a lot of stuff. One article that caught my eye recently is you wrote about the coming possibility of robot umps to Major League Baseball. So what are we actually talking about when we say robot umps? Yeah, it's not as fun and sexy as you're picturing. It's still a human umpire behind the plate, uh, but he would be verbalizing the call made by a computerized system that's using computer and radar tracking to determine whether the ball is a, a ball or a strike. Um, so kind of just like a, a little black box high above home plate that has the equipment and it's determining the call to set an automated strike zone. And that potentially could be what we have in a few years in the major leagues determining, you know, balls and strikes. And this is already being tested, right, in the Atlantic League and maybe other spots, too? 
Yeah, they've been testing it at various levels of the miners over the last couple of years. And this year, it's the biggest step forward where they're testing it at every park in AAA, which is as close as you can get to the majors. So it's a pretty good sign that they're looking at bringing it up very soon. And is the sense that like, this is probably accurate, at least as accurate or more accurate than humans? Yeah, I think it's so it's certainly more accurate than humans, uh, in that it is a very technologically refined system, but it's also different than humans in that, you know, we all have kind of the way we conceptualize the strike zone is based on the way that humans have called the strike zone for a long time, which tends to, it's not a perfect strike zone. It tends to give more latitude in certain situations, sometimes to certain types of pitchers, you know, it adjusts for height in some cases, whereas like a technologically perfect strike zone gets rid of all those little human touches that we tend to think of in the strike zone, which isn't necessarily good or bad, but it is different. And if you talk to players who have played in levels where it's being tested, you get used to it, but it does take some time to get used to. And yeah, I want to get to those human touches in a moment. One technical thing that always goes through my mind is yeah, the height, because like I can imagine the plate is always a certain width. You don't have to like adjust the strike zone, the width of the strike zone for anybody, but the height is based on the batter. And so it, is the is the robot good at, at calculating the height now? Because some, some batters will like scrunch into a crouch to have a lower strike zone. Right. So it's supposed to be set up where it can, it understands that each batter is different and that some guys are taller than others. But uh, yeah, guys, even if it knows the batter's height, your stance can be different. It can even, depending on, you know, game situation and what you're trying to do can differ from game to game. Um, and so it, it accounts for it, but not necessarily the way that we would always think of an actual human ump who's seeing it accounting for it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you talked to a bunch of catchers about, um, about the coming change. Uh, what's the general sentiment there? Yeah. It's interesting because of the moment that it's, this is coming into with catcher defense, because I think if you had somehow been able to do this technologically 15 years ago or 20 years ago, it would have been coming into a very different environment because right now you're in a space where the focus on a catcher's defensive value has been really heavily focused on his pitch framing ability. So his ability to be able to receive a pitch in a way that makes it more likely to be called a strike. Um, that's really exploded in terms of the value that we place on when we're talking about catcher defense, the value that's placed on pitch framing has really, really grown in the last 10 years, 15 years. And it's become a kind of a really the foundation of the position when you're talking to front offices about how they uh, value catchers, how they want to develop their catchers. And so guys have put so much work into perfecting that part of their game and making sure that they're able to do that you know, if they weren't previously good at it, a lot of them have tried really hard to get good at it. For guys who are great at it, that's, you know, been what's been paying for their contracts. And so, yeah, the fact that they've gotten into a, a space where it's like front offices really prioritize this and we're focusing on this and all of that is predicated on having a human ump calling balls and strikes who can be fooled by this. Now you're moving into a world where maybe that's not the case. And so for catchers, that's, you know, it's a big deal and some big questions about what does the defensive makeup of the position look like and what does it mean that, you know, if this skill is my calling card, what's going to happen if it goes away? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly sympathize with that. But you use the word, you know, fooling the ump, which is effectively what it is. And it can be, it can go both ways. It can be both uh, a ball that's pulled into the strike zone in a subtle way because it's close enough. Or sometimes you'll see a catcher kind of swipe at a ball and bring it out of the strike zone and they don't get the call, even though the robot ump would have said it was a strike. But now that the technology is both good enough to call balls and strikes, but also people watching the games can say, like, oh, that was totally a strike, or, you know, I can't believe they got that call. It, it feels like once you get to the point of fans knowing what's going on to a point, like maybe even more so than the umpire who just has to make this split second decision, um, I feel like that's when you kind of have to give in to the technology. Right. You have fans at home. It's on, on every broadcast. You have that version of the strike zone superimposed over the action. You have Twitter accounts that are screenshotting every bad call and, and showing just how bad it is. Um, I, I think that's certainly raised the attention on both calls that are just bad calls and also like, you know, borderline stuff, just some that are not even bad calls so much as just really good framing jobs. Um the way that people watch the game has changed. And because of that, I think there's a lot more focus on this. And so it, it makes sense that yes, the technology seems to be ready. Yes. They've been doing testing for a while now, but even outside of those factors, the fact that you have people who are watching and able to really point out every single questionable, questionable call, I think also plays a part here. Yeah. And you, you could see there being a backlash if we do get, you know, the, the robots take over um, uh, because maybe there will be pitches that don't feel like strikes, but they kind of like, because the strike zone is is a cube, or I guess maybe not a, it, but it's three dimensional is what I'm trying to say. Um, and so a pitch might be able to just like nip the, the corner of that box and then dive away and not feel like a strike and not be something that was ever called a strike. And even if, especially like an EFIS type pitch that just kind of goes through the strike zone, there could be pitches and pitchers might find those pitches. Um, so I could see there being a backlash in that way, the same way that everyone kind of hates it when, um, say someone steals a base and they pop off the base just for a second, like a, a fraction of a second and the tag is still on them and they go to the replays like, oh, well, there was that moment when the tag was on, even though you were safe the first time. So I, I think when the game gets more technical like that, more technically accurate, there are moments, I think that is where I sympathize with the human element part of it, where it's like, yeah, no one actually feels like that should have been a strike or an out, but it it was. And so like when we like go frame by frame, we, we see what happens. So I, 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 but I feel like we're just going to have to deal with that balance. Yeah, although the... What they're testing at AAA right now is two different systems. Um, on Monday through Thursday, you have the full RoboUmp. Everything is totally automated. That's like you're saying, every single pitch is being called by the robot to that true strike zone. It's a three-dimensional strike zone, which, as you said, has some pitches that we wouldn't think of as strikes that do get called strikes because we tend to conceptualize it as two-dimensional as a box rather than a, a cube. Um but what they're doing on the weekends is a challenge system where each team gets three challenges per game. Uh, the challenge can only be used by the pitcher, the hitter, or the catcher. And that will have the human ump calling the game throughout. But when each team wants to use a challenge, it then goes up to the automated zone for review and can't be argued with. Whatever the robot had recorded it is, is what the call is. Um, 
And I think that's kind of a good middle ground where okay, three challenges per game. It's not a ton, but it's clearly enough for really egregious calls, especially in big moments and later innings, um, to make sure that you're weeding out the absolute worst of umpiring. But at the same time, it's preserving the, the spirit of the rule the, in, in general. You know, you, you're having a human call game, which further faults, as, as we just said, of, you know, we can see all these bad calls on the broadcast and on Twitter. Umps have gotten a lot more accurate over the last 20 years or so. They have statistics. You know, everyone is above 90%, most above 95%, quite a few who are even much higher than that. So for the most part, they do a fine job. It's just these bad calls, the tiny handful of them that really stand out. So something like the challenge system, I think, would get you into a middle ground where it's like, okay, the, the really bad calls, especially in big moments, gone because they can be reviewed by the computer. But generally, you know, we're still working with a human strike zone that looks like what we think it should. I I've, don't have a ton of tolerance at this point because replay and like computer systems are so ubiquitous for inaccurate calls by the officials. But I enjoy like decisions that could turn into bad decisions by managers and players. Um, that adds a strategy element that feels more more true to the game than just like because the the idea of a human element be basically being like sometimes the umpires get it wrong and that's the human element like I, that was kind of fun in the '90s for me and maybe maybe <laughs> a little bit after but now I'm like okay let's just get the right calls. That's actually one thing I appreciate about the way they've set up the challenge system is with replay we're so used to like okay each team has a replay coordinator who's in there watching video like determining is there any ticky-tack tiny frame that would make this a, a play that makes sense to review since they've set up the challenge system for the zone to be it can it, no input from the dugout it can only come from the pitcher the catcher or the hitter that's kind of fun because i think you those guys are in the middle of that at bet right then they like emotions can be high they feel like they they know what they saw but you're gonna have to introduce that strategy of like if you're using this challenge, like, yes, you're out there by yourself, but you have to be really, really careful to make sure like this is a moment where it works. Yeah, MLB did make a change, which I, I think will be good this year, where the manager has, I forget how many seconds, but they have to hold up their hand immediately and then they have, I don't know, 10 seconds. Basically, they make it so there isn't as much time to for the replay guy somewhere else to be like, hey, he came off the bag for like half a second, and so that's going to be an out. It has to be more of those more egregious calls where you just eyeball it and say, I, I think he was safe, or I think he was out there, let's use the challenge. Yeah, which I think goes more to the, the spirit of all of these rules, even if not like the letter of all of these rules, and also then just if we're doing so much else to speed up the game and cut out dead time, I think this is... You can't leave that on the table. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, before I let you go, uh, you're someone who who comes up with a lot of fun questions. Um, I mean, I mostly am familiar with them through baseball, but things like, you know, what is it like when a fight breaks out on the field and the guys from the bullpen have to run in, knowing that like the fight might be over by the time they actually get there? Um, and uh, and you had one on like, what, you know, what's going to be the new move for umpires for like uh, pitch clock violations? So, are there any uh, anything on your mind, the unanswered questions that that you're looking forward to diving into baseball or otherwise? Um, I have a few things on my list, but with baseball and particularly with these new rules, I, especially with um, base stealing, I feel like we've had so much conversation around uh, just like, Oh, like what do these rules mean? What are they going to look like in practice? And now that we have them in practice, I 
really am looking forward to talking to guys who were always fast but didn't really steal much about how much of a turning point this feels like and just like mentally what it does to you to feel like okay like actually I do have this green light now where it's like not a change in ability but a change in setup um and actually another one I've been wanting to do is talking to you know every team has mental skills coordinators now and like one of the big things that they've always said is for slowing down a moment so if you're a pitcher walk around the mound if you're a hitter step out of the box and now you can't do that anymore so I have also been wanting to ask mental skills coordinators what are you telling guys about slowing down a moment when you literally have a clock on you. I think it is clearly messing, at least with some pitchers and probably with some hitters too, who are just like not used to this pace yet. Emma Bachelary, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please tell a friend, maybe share a favorite episode. We have a special episode coming up Tuesday. I'm excited and curious to see what you all think of it. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you tomorrow.